Australian Muscle Car Magazine is one of the most respected voices in motoring media. There's been over 140 issues and thousands of stories published in the last 22 years, from the amazing muscle car machines of the past to the present and the stars that steered and built them. AMC has something for everyone. Delve into the heritage of homegrown high performance now at musclecarmag.com.au. Hey everybody, Aaron Noonan here. Welcome along to Repco Supercars Weekly as we take a look at the latest in the Repco Supercars Championship. And of course, at the moment, we're in Olympics mode. It's how we're getting our uh, sporting fix at the moment with what's going on in Tokyo in Japan. No supercars on the track at the moment, but that never means that there's nothing going on. And joining me on the line to talk about the big news this week in terms of uh, the sell-out of Rick Kelly and Todd Kelly from Kelly Grove Racing in the Supercars Championship is our Head of Content Publications, Stefan Bartholomeus here at V8 Sleuth, who joins me on the line. Steph, I guess yesterday's news got a lot of traction, a lot of interest given we're not racing at the moment, but if you really stripped the onion back, was this a surprise? G'day, Aaron. It's one of those ones that um, it's not a surprise when you look look over at the context, and Stephen Grove has even come out and said that uh, this was definitely the plan, that when they bought 50% of Kelly Racing and made it Kelly Grove Racing at the start of this year, that the plan was to transition it to 100% Grove Racing. So, uh, yeah, the writing sort of seemed on the wall from, from when they did that deal at the start of the year, but whenever these things actually go through, it's still still a little bit of a shock that um, we're so used to having the Kellys as team owners, and uh, that won't be the case from next year. And they've been team owners, remember, since... Well, 2009, Kelly Racing was established, but prior to that, remember that John and Margaret Kelly, their mum and dad, uh, Rick and Todd's mum and dad, had been involved in buying uh, Kmart Racing when, of course, TWR uh, Australia went bust in the early 2000s. So that had been run out of the Walkinshaw operation, but Kelly Racing as a standalone uh, situation from 2009, of course, was born out of Perkins Engineering with a, a lot of the, the engineering mm. support and supply. And, of course, the first few cars, uh, the first two Jack Daniels Commodores, were Perkins-built cars uh, at the Moorabbin Workshop, which we fully know because we are right <laughs> in the middle, uh, as you indeed are, of doing the book on the history of every Perkins Engineering car. And, of course, that's how uh, Kelly Racing got its start. But it doesn't mean, Steph, that Todd Kelly is gone. It sounds like Rick Kelly's kind of stepping away to doing more things away from motor racing. He's still got a relationship with Ford. We've seen him do the, the Mark One Mustang uh, ads and some social content and, and things like that. Uh, so a little bit not sure as to whether we see Rick ever race maybe as a co-driver in the future, but clearly Todd's going to stay connected from an off-track point of view. Yeah, it was explained in the announcement yesterday that uh, Kelly Racing retained the CNC machine shop down there at Brayside, they uh, always geared that team from the start to do basically everything that they could in-house. So they've got a lot of machinery there. They'll retain the engine department, the production departments, and the current Mustangs too. So Todd will be involved in the background, supplying engineering bits and pieces to Grove Racing next year. But how how front-facing that role is, we're not really sure. Clearly, he won't be the team boss anymore. Stephen Grove steps into that role. So... Um, yeah, he'll still be involved, and I think there's a little bit to play out in terms of seeing what else what else they do. Yeah, there's still a few questions, plenty of answers given in uh, the statements this week, as you mentioned. It gives us a chance, I guess, to look at Kelly Racing's body of work since 2009, and the one thing that sticks out to me is they've never, ever been afraid of biting off big bites, whether it be uh, setting up the team from scratch to begin with, whether it was 
from uh, the Nissan program, which was a mammoth program, kidding up for the Altima uh, Car of the Future project, and then doing it again uh, last year for the Mustang program. Kelly Boy's not afraid of a challenge they've proven in the last, what, decade or so. Yeah, 100%. And it's one of those things where if they look at the body of work in terms of race, or if, if we on the outside look at it, you can uh, say they probably didn't get all they wanted, but the journey that they've been on and the things that they've done is uh, is quite amazing. And, and right from the start, I mean, when you look at the context of they set up that four-car team, as we were saying, doing everything themselves in-house as much as they could. There was a transition period from Perkins Engineering but they were doing that right when the GFC was going on at the end of 2008, when Holden was um, peeling back financial support from quite a few supercars teams. So it was uh, they were sort of swimming against the tide right from the start. They got their Commodores up to a point where they could win occasional races in 2011 and did that Nissan deal. And obviously it's fairly well charted how, how difficult that, that all was for them. They were quite up and down. They did win a couple of races, but even then transitioning to the Mustangs and what we've seen this year, they, they can win a race one week at the Bend and a couple of weeks later at the Hidden Valley, they're locking out the back row. So yeah. it sort of shows how, how difficult the sport is and how fine line it is between the hero and zero. Yeah, you made a good point there about the numbers in terms of, of the wins. So to this very point uh, in time as which we speak today, Kelly Racing and Kelly Grove Racing, same entity, just a slight ownership change uh, going into this season, Debuted in Adelaide in 2009, 175 championship round starts, 381 individual races, and of course on many of those occasions there were four cars from that team in those fields. Uh, Seven race wins, 10 poles and 32 podiums. I think the numbers don't um, really tell the true story of what they've been able to do. Success is, I guess it's that old line, it's about what is success uh, to... uh, to win a million races is one way of charting success, but to establish, create, run, be self-sufficient, run four cars, do a deal with a manufacturer, re-kit with another manufacturer, you'd have to say it's been a success story. They've done it the way they wanted to do it, which was the whole reasoning for, for going down the path anyway. Yeah, and also, I mean, you look at that 2009 grid, when, when Kelly Racing first started, there's, there's no team, I don't, I don't think, um, that has gone through to now without significant shareholder change, whether it's whole whole ownership or, or part ownership, even even BJR have had uh, Kim step out and, and Brad take over the full thing. So, yeah, it's just the, the arrow of history will not be denied. These things evolve and change, and uh, it's, it's time for them to step, step out. What's their standout moment? Uh, there's a few moments along the way. Some of those wins are pretty memorable. Uh, Rick Kelly and Hamilton, I remember, in the wet there. Seemed to be a thing where those cars just lit up in the wet weather, particularly in 2011, because he got another win at Sandown. Uh, some of the performances with the Nissans, James Moffat's win at Winton was controversial, remember, because of uh, the E70 blend mm-hmm. fuel that was used that weekend. What's the standout Kelly racing moment of significance for you from the, the journey looking back? I guess I sort of think of Kelly Racing as a team that was always quite open with the media um, and really helped bring the fans on the journey as well. And, and I think we've seen that as recently as, as last year. They did a great job of that with with a video series leading into the year with with the development of the Mustangs and then the, the tyranny of being on the road um, as one of the Melbourne teams travelling for a huge part of the year. Um, so 
for me, looking back, obviously the, the wins and bits and pieces, but probably the excitement around that Nissan deal in 2012. I had that initial announcement in uh, in February, so we had a long, long lead up to when the cars hit the track the next year. But then it was about September time, I think, that um, they unveiled the first actual Nissan Altima V8 supercar at uh, the Docklands there in Melbourne and pulling the sheet off and Todd, like, excitingly explaining everything on the car and bits and pieces and it was so, so raw and new and there was just an energy about it uh, as the first new manufacturer to come in with Car of the Future. Uh, I think that's, yeah, the, that, that sort of period of time and, and the way uh, the sport sort of embraced the excitement of it was uh, pretty memorable. It was funny when Nissan had left, they'd left with booing on the podium at Bathurst, but they returned with a V8 under the bonnet and all was forgiven and things had changed completely. Yeah, it's a, it's a great era of supercars where we saw those other brands get into the mix. And, and of course, it was the Kellys with, with Nissan who, who helped do that. Of course, uh, now it's Dave Reynolds and Andre Heimgartner at the wheel of the Mustangs for that team. And of course, I would presume we're going to be talking about it as Grove Racing for uh, next season, do they stay in the building that they're in? Do they move? Do they? Uh, I'm sure there's a whole pile of questions to flow out of the statement this week. But the fact is that uh, it's the end of an era, and it's another couple of racers um, who step away from the sport. Maybe not fully entirely, uh, but from the t- team ownership ranks, we've seen them over the years. Whether it be Larry Perkins himself, whether it be Ross Stone, whether it be Gary Rogers, now no longer in the Supercars Championship. It, it's just evolution. It's how it is. Nothing stays the same forever. It's That's life. That's motor racing. Yeah, I guess the surprise with this one is that Todd's in his uh, very early 40s and, and Rick's only late 30s. So uh, it's probably we're just used to seeing these guys around the sport all the time and probably expected it for a bit longer. But as we said at the top, we'll sort of wait and see how the rest of it plays out. Um, going by what they're, they're saying, the Grove will... We'll still run the team out of Brayside there in Melbourne, the current Kelly shop, and they'll even move their Porsche um, GT and Cura Cup stuff into there as well. And the Grove side is, I guess, what we've we've talked a lot here about Kelly's. But um, you know, good good on these guys, um, Stephen Grove and his son Brenton, for uh, the way they're going about this. They're not uh, sort of hanging around on the side and saying they might start a team or they might get involved, kicking tires, skimming stones. They are chipped in. And it's at a time where there's sort of a fair bit of uncertainty with the sale of the supercars business, with Gen 3 being delayed and a lot still to play out with that. So um, they can clearly either see a roadmap a lot clearer than we can or they are just committed to making this work. So it's great to have people like that in the sport. Yeah, they're all in. They've definitely made a, a big impact and a big investment in supercars. And, of course, they've been in a Carrera Cup and GT racing and, and the Michelin What's it called now? Porsche Michelin Sprint Challenge. Used to be called the GT3 Cup. It's hard to keep up with the names of some of those series. We talked at the top two, Steph, about the the way that Kelly Racing evolved out of Perkins Engineering, and it's a topic that's at front of mind for us at the moment because we are working on this Perkins Engineering car book. We're heading off to the print press end of next month, and the book will be out in September. It's a great insight into the, the nearly 50 cars that were produced by Perkins Engineering. And the last few... Well, not just the last two that were the Jack Daniels cars, but then there was a couple of previous cars prior to that that were Greg Murphy's Pepsi car and the the Stratco car for Dave Reynolds and some of those, uh, the Dodo car for Jack Perkins. They were all ex-Perkins engineering cars. So there's a fair bit of Kelly racing that's in this Perkins book that's coming up in a month or two. Yeah, exactly. And that uh, includes, 
obviously that 2008 year where uh, Todd drove for Perkins Engineering before uh, the Kelly Racing deal took hold for 2009. Um, and of course, the car that Todd won PE's last took took PE's last win with in 2008 at Simmons Plains ended up being the same car that uh, Kelly Racing had their first win uh, in 2011, both in the wet. As we referenced before, those things really uh, lit up uh, in uh, in wet weather. Uh, and then, yeah, there's, it's sort of just doing that, doing that Perkins book has brought back uh, some of those uh, left field sort of things that Kelly Racing had going on back in the day with Jacques uh, Villeneuve coming and doing a few races and just all those uh, weird and wacky names you may not have expected to see in, uh, in a V8 supercar joining their team. Funny you should mention that. We've put together a little five names you might have forgotten that have driven for Kelly Racing. It's on our website now. If you head to v8sleuth.com.au, you can check it out. You can pre-order your Perkins Engineering Car History book as well, bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. It's limited to just 2,500 copies. More than half of them, almost three-quarters now, have been allocated and sold, so don't miss out. It will be a real collector's piece. Jump on the website, bookshop.v8sleuth.com.au. Now, Steph, on Repco Supercars Weekly, we always take a look at on this day, July the 27th, and if we rewind back through the files, a couple of days of Queensland racing, uh, Queensland Raceway history is what I should say, uh, on this day. 2013 at QR, Jamie Winkup took the win in the first race of that weekend from Scott McLaughlin before he was a Volvo driver, driving for GRM, though in a Commodore, Mark Winterbottom, rounding out the podium. And on this day in 2019, Jamie Winkup took the win there, heading home Will Davison in the Milwaukee Tools Mustang and Chas Mostert in the Super Cheap Mustang. Hard to believe, it's only two years ago, Yet so much has changed there. Of course, Will Davison's ride evaporated. Chaz has left Tickford. Jamie's going to retire. Uh, and that's only two years ago, the last time that the championship raced at Queensland Raceway. Time flies. Yeah, and you referenced that 2013 event. If we'd done uh, the podcast tomorrow, I think the on-this-day results would have been uh, <laughs> a little more interesting. It'd be good for Chaz. be good for Scotty. To, uh, of course, Chaz Mostert had his breakthrough win for Dick Johnson Racing, the Wilson Security Falcon, number 12 it was back in those days. It was almost prefacing a little bit of Penske history, given the special nature of number 12 in uh, Penske's history over the journey. So that's on this day on Repco Supercars Weekly, July the 27th. We do it every Tuesday. We will do it again next Tuesday. Of course, don't forget to visit The Garage. It is Repco's online automotive and motorsport digital destination, repco.com.au or repco.co.nz for our Kiwi listeners. Tomorrow on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Repco, a special archive episode. We've unearthed, with thanks to the team at the National Library of Australia and never before published, as far as we're aware, interview with the great late Bob Jane, recorded back in 2008. A great insight into his life, into his career in motorsport. It's one you shouldn't miss. It is tomorrow on the V8 Sleuth podcast, powered by Repco. Steph, thanks for joining us and running back through the history of Kelly Racing in the wake of yesterday's news with the Kellys to sell out. At the end of the season, we should point out, it is at the end of this year's uh, championship. Uh, we will no doubt see Todd Kelly connected in some way, shape or form. And I think we've got to start a movement to get Rico back in a car for the 1,000. Well, I thought you were going to say to get him on the V8 Sleuth. Well, I've tried. <laughs> I've tried that. I did have. We, we've been asked by a lot of people if we could talk to the Kelly boys. I'm really keen to do a sit down with both of them. Uh, I have asked Rick earlier this year. He, he wanted to, to handball it off for the moment, but I will keep trying down the track because he's got a great story to tell. And 
and indeed Todd does too. They've made a great contribution to the sport over the last couple of decades in supercars racing. Steph, thanks for joining us. Get back to writing that Perkins Engineering book. We look forward to seeing it hit the print press in a month or so's time. Everyone, thank you for listening as well. Repco Supercars Weekly every Tuesday, and the VH Loop podcast powered by Repco is on every Wednesday. Tune in when it drops tomorrow with our special archive episode of Bob Jack. We'll chat to you then. Do you know how to find the right oil for your car? Now you can find out quickly and easily online, thanks to Castrol's Rego to Oil tool. Simply type in your Rego, select your state, and within seconds you'll know the best Castrol products to unlock the edge of performance in your car. So what's your car best suited to? Just search Rego, the number two, and oil, and find out.